0: Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to Marvel's The Pullist for comics coming out May 23rd, 2018. I'm Ryan Panagos, aka Agent M. And I'm Tucker Marcus. And this is the show where we talk about all the new comics out this week print, digital, single issues, collections. We're going to get into it. One of the biggest launches for us, I don't i want to say this year, it's up there. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be up there mm-hmm. without a doubt, is Black Panther number one. Then that's the first book. And on top of that, It's one of my picks of the week. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to talk about this book more on This Week in Marvel later this week. But recently, if you listen to This Week in Marvel, you know that we had the Marvel Comics editorial retreat where a bunch of creators come in and they talk about the books and they talk about story and stuff like this. There was one point in the retreat where Scotty Young and one of the other creators, they were talking about Chris Pachalo, this amazing artist. He's, he's one of those great artists, artists. Chris's work that was from a book back in the day, and they used the phrase, he was dunking on everyone. <laughs> and that got stuck in my head because that is how I feel about the creative team here. It's written by Tanahasi Coates. Art, so it's pencils, ink and colors, all of it, however he does it, by Daniel Acuna. Lettering by Joe Sabino. And this is just a team dunking. Mm-hmm. This is like, look, I'm not a sports guy, but I played NBA Jam, And I know when you dunk, fire and explosions yes. and people are like, whoa, they lose their mind. That's what this book is. This is, this is comics prose crushing it. It's from the get go. The first page tells you this is the intergalactic empire of Wakanda. And it lays out this beautiful page. Part of it that we saw in Marvel Legacy number one last year. But then it just goes, and it's like, boom, what is happening? You get thrust into this crazy story, and it's so good. It's the story of T'Challa. He is in the cosmos somewhere. He is captured by the intergalactic empire of Wakanda. And all that stuff, you're like, wait, what does that mean? And you don't get all the answers right now because we are in the process of rolling into it Again, I'm going to talk about this more on This Week in Marvel. But man, it is beautiful. Daniel's coloring is just unstoppable. And he's... hes I don't want to talk about it anymore right here. Yeah. We got to dig in more because we have so many books to get to. But man, if you're going to pick up one book this week, don't. Pick up like six of them because they're <laughs> really good comics. But make sure one of them that you do pick up is Black Panther number
1: one. 100%. Next up is... The champions! Number 20.
0: One one quick thing for the listeners. Yeah. If you don't understand Tucker's
1: singing voice, the book is
0: champions. The book
1: is champion. <laughs> it's written by Jim Sub with art by Sean Isaacs. Colors by Marcio Meniz. Letters by Clayton Cowles. This story takes place in the Arctic. But we start out, uh, last night is the caption. And we get this really strange technicolor almost aurora borealis type figure that appears out of nowhere appears to this new character that we're not 100 familiar with yet and it's kind of like a strange vision we don't know how this fits into the champion story proper but some really wild like super powerful stuff happens that will be super interesting to see how that folds into the main story but then we go to the present moment, and, oh, man, Nova got shot, like, right straight through the chest, like, wily e. Coyote style. <laughs> and uh, It's so brutal, too. Yeah, it's too. So, like, so brutal.
0: Sean Isaacs is just crushing it, like you said, and here it's just this one page you just feel so bummed out for Sam.
1: Right, yeah. So that adds like immediate urgency to this story. It's really interesting because he's kind of positioned, he has the intro of a villain, uh, and you would assume this guy is a big bad and he's going to be this, the the bad guy that the champions are coming up against. But then we kind of learn maybe he's not quite what he seems, but then at the same time, maybe he's not quite not what he was seemed to not be. It's really interesting to see what this person's purpose is and to see how the champions are kind of handling it but also confused by it uh, and things like that it is kicking off a really really great story a really unique story here and yeah like I said there's it's great to see you know this team and their powers kind of all uniting as one in the fight scenes but also their personalities dealing with who this new character is uh you know in the quieter moments yeah the character
0: you're you're dancing around is probably one of Alpha Flight's main villains Mm -hmm. over in in history. And this character also appeared somewhat recently in stories with Captain Marvel when she's been with Alpha Flight. And he is traditionally a very bad person. But we go on from there to Doctor Strange number 390. This is the last issue of of this run. And it's a bummer because I really, really loved it. Oh yeah, yeah. This is actually Jamie Freveli's pick of the week, <laughs> and she's gonna talk about it more on this week in Marvel. I just gotta say, in the same week, we got art by Fraser Irving and Daniel Acuna, who are like these two artists who handle the whole like the whole process themselves penciling, inking, coloring, whatever, however they handle it, they do it all themselves. They both have these really cool color palettes. They have art that looks unlike anything else you're reading, and it's such a treasure to see both of them. And here on Doctor Strange, Fraser Irving. I, I don't want to get into it too much, but that middle yeah. spread, I was like, oh, Tucker's going to love It was this. such
1: a surprise. Yeah. Long-time listeners of This Week in Marvel, and certainly a Marvel list will know when you pick up this book, you'll realize that the when I turned a certain page, my mind exploded because it was a team up of creators, the story within a story that is just incredible. Yeah,
0: it's it's real good. We'll talk about it a lot more on this week in Marvel later this week.
1: Next up is Falcon number eight, which is written by Rodney Barnes with art by Joshua Cassara, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letters by Joe Caramagna. This is. The last issue of this run, and I've really, really enjoyed it. It's taken Falcon in such a new direction. Rodney has made some really, really bold choices, and I thought he's pulled them off really, really, really well. And I loved the, the, the story arc that we kind of wrapped up on because it feels like such a team-up book. This feels like a team-up book in the best way because we have Falcon, we have Misty Knight. We have Blade and we have Patriot. And they're kind of taking on this weird vampiric threat in New York City. And it is, it it serves as a really, really wonderful conclusion to Rodney's take on Sam Wilson because there are certain threads that are wrapped up. There are certain threads that are not. And uh, all the while, we're getting what Sam Wilson means to the world and to the Marvel Universe, kind of how he stands... Uh, how he is truly a hero in the truest sense of the word. Uh, we end on a on a really really great note here with Falcon number eight.
0: One of the threads in this this story in these last couple issues in Falcon has been Blade just being like cartoon wolf like excited to to hang out with Misty Knight and like <laughs> please please go on a date with me. Oh my god! Like he is... Just trying so hard to impress her, go on a date. He doesn't understand why she's into Sam Wilson. There's this whole thing, this whole thread. Really funny stuff. And she absolutely wants nothing to do with Blade. (laughs) It's been really, really funny and wonderful. Here's my pitch It's a sitcom where Falcon and Misty move in together. Blade is their annoying neighbor, Mephisto's the landlord. Yep. You know, like you got yourself a little fun little story. They hang out in a great. I don't know, haunted coffee shop or something. <laughs> it's it, it writes itself. Uh, yeah. Love this love this book a ton. So it's got eight issues. You can binge it when it, when it's all collected, and I highly suggest you do. It was really good. On to Hunt for Wolverine Mystery in Madripoa. Number one, which is written by Jim Zub, art by Tony Silas, colors by Felipe Sobrero, and letters by VCs Joe So this is the launch of the fourth Hunt for Wolverine book. Uh, each one has a different cast and a different mission. This one stars Psylocke, Kitty Pride, Jubilee, Storm, Rogue, and Domino. Uh, but what threw me for a loop was how deep Jim Zub and crew dug for the villains that the team faces in Madripoor. It's nuts. I'll be real. I Aside from Viper and to some extent a character named Knockout, I was pretty unfamiliar with most of this crew of villains in this book to the point where I was like, oh, this is a new creation, right? Googling the name, like, oh, no. They went real deep to the point where they stumped me. So kudos to them.
1: And if you were thinking, wow, is this a new creation? If that's where you were at looking at this, I was reading it then and being like, is this even a book I'm reading? (laughs) Am I still on planet Earth? That's the level of understanding that I was dropped down to relative to you. Uh,
0: But I, I love seeing, you know, lesser known characters used in cool ways and elevated. It's such a, it's a great thing to do and they're doing it here. Things obviously totally go wrong for the the good guys, but with their backs against the wall, never bet against the X-Men. Like that is, that should be rule number one. If you don't murder the X-Men in your first go, you've lost because they're the X-Men. They're Mm going to get you.
1: Next up is another very, very fond farewell. This is The Incredible Hulk number 717. It's written by Greg Pak, With pencils by Carlo Barberi, inks by Walden Wong, colors by Frank Darmada. This is Greg Pox, for now, for now, his farewell to Amadeus Cho. And I've spoken at length about how much I love the way that Greg visualizes Amadeus and the Hulk. And he really, really, I mean, has just done an amazing job at... uh, Carving out this this Hulk territory that is specific to Amadeus, that is wholly his own, even you know with the kind of shadow of Bruce Banner always there, always kind of looming. I think he's just made some really great choices all along the way to make Amadeus Cho such such a great character, and this is a really perfect fitting. End to this relationship for now. Again, uh, for now, I'm certain that Greg and Amadeus will team up again in the future. But this for seven seventeen is a really, really great finish because we're kind of having this real world battle that's going down that involves the Hulk and uh, Captain Marvel, and Miles is involved, and the Black Panther is involved, and then we also have this battle of the mind that's going on inside of Amadeus's head, and. It's one of those things where you read it, and in hindsight, it's obvious and inevitable because it's so perfect. You wouldn't have guessed it or predicted it necessarily beforehand, but having read it now, I'm like, there's no other way. That this could have concluded. Oh, and by the way, Greg Pak made a really great appearance on Marvel's Voices last week. He sat down with Anjali Rocher and they had a really great conversation about how he got a start in comics, uh, his inspiration for a lot of his stories. Uh, he talked about the Hulk, and it was really, really great insight to a great creator. Uh, we'll see
0: more of Ami and uh, Champions for sure. Or how, how do you say it? I don't understand. How do you pronounce Champions? Champion! Right. Uh, exactly. Next book is Infinity Countdown Dark Hawk number one. Man, I was never a huge Dark Hawk guy. Uh, Ron Richards, one of our co workers and friends, is a big Dark Hawk guy. But I, I don't know. It's just he's got a cool costume and powers and some really cool mythology. But I'm not super versed in what the character is all about or. Well, I wasn't previously, uh, but this issue is cool. It, sets, it gives us a lot of it, but essentially Darkhawk was originally this 90s hero, a guy named Chris Powell, who found an amulet that put him into the Darkhawk armor, but it actually transposed his body into this like null space and put the Darkhawk android body in his place because they're androids, right? So that, but because he's a human, his mind remained in control of the android body slash armor thing over the years. He and the armor split. The armor got upgrades. They combined again. He was tricked in and out of the armor. It was part of the Avengers Arena storyline with Arcade. Uh, his amulet was taken away from him. He got it back, did some crazy stuff, couldn't transform, was able to transform again, and is now a cop. Uh, <laughs> and recently got back into the groove of things. So he's doing the Darkhawk thing again. So that is the quick, you know, here's the 411. Obviously, there's lots more to it. But it's neat character. Great look. Great look. This one is written by Chris Sims and Chad Bowers, art by Gang Hyuk Lim, lettering by VCs Travis Lanham, and it is so cool. The art in here is very manga anime style, Mm -hmm. which gives it a like a very different look from the rest of the books in our line, which is really important. I mean, I love I love manga, I love anime. We don't get a lot of that in our comics, so we get a you know just that vibe is a really cool addition, and gives this book which. You know, I didn't even think of that pairing. It works really, really well because you've got, you know, action. You've got this cool robot man armor thing. You've got space. You've got creatures. The There's a character who shows up in here who's one of my favorite Marvel designs. He shows up by the end. Uh, it's a very neat, just little touch. We'll see where he goes. Uh, but this throws him into part of the events of Infinity Countdown. He's sort of on Earth. Infinity Countdown is happening way out in space, and he needs to be a part of it because at the opening of this, the fraternity of raptors, of which the Dark Hawk is or was part of, has just like broken free, and it is bad news, bears, for so many people. I
1: have a pitch for it, Editor Jordan D. White. Yes. Dark Hawkeye. Ooh. D A R K H A W K E Y E. One word.
0: So it's Dark Hawk with like clint barton as doc hawk yes Or you did, what were you thinking oh yeah yeah that's
1: exactly it. yeah, yeah. oh all right cool anyway, no one steal that putting that yeah, nobody steal that that's mine
0: all right i got another one coming up it's invincible iron man number 600 this is it this is the final marvel comic by brian michael bendis at least for a while and it's full of so much stuff it is jam-packed crazy stuff you got ai dialogue the return of a beloved character shirtless hairless men hugging which is always high up on my ooh checks off a box meter uh leonardo da vinci is in here blade is in here that's twice in one week we get blade yeah it's great someone important from tony's past a giant super fight between doom the hood and some other heroes and villains tragic heroic sacrifices exciting heroic saves just so Much going on here, and thankfully, Brian is not alone for this issue. He is joined by artists Stefano Caselli, Alex Malieve, David Marquez, Daniel Cunha, Lanil Francis Yu, Jerry Anguilan, Jim Chung, Mike Diodato Jr., Mark Bagley, Andrew Hennessy, Scott Hanna, Andrea Sorrentino, Colors by Marte Gracia, Alex Malieve, Daniel Cunha, Guru Effects, Romulo Fajardo, Marcelo Maiolo, and Rochelle Rosenberg, with lettering throughout by VCs, Clayton Cowles. So... Much going on. There's this sort of through thread throughout the issue, which is the Tony Stark AI that's been in the book for a while. He's he? It. Mm. It, I guess. Good I don't question. know. I would ask it or if it had a preference.
1: This gets to the nature of what. Mm ai is mm. Mm. i yeah. i uh w- watched uh 2001 a space odyssey this weekend so yeah. this is fresh in my brain
0: <laughs> back to this book the uh ai here the tony stark ai that's been in the book for a while gives the narration for for the the issue and it feels very much like brian michael bend is channeling himself in this narration for a lot of it it's cool, too. Is like, Brian's like, hey, check out these cool threads I'm leaving. Mystery, action, potential. There's, you know, just so many things. The final scene in this book is really neat to me, too, is it's connected to all new X-Men annual number one from 2015. Also kind of maybe to the Iron Man Generations issue. And so it's just a neat way of him like looping back in some other things that he had worked on, which, you know, everything is connected with all his stories. Really excited to to finally get to this issue. But it makes me sad. Yeah. This is this is the last Brian Michael Bendis book that we're gonna have here, uh, and he's been a you know a constant at my time at Marvel.
1: So bittersweet. Bittersweet indeed. The next book this week is Legion number five, which is written by Peter Milligan with pencils by Wilfredo Torres and Lee Ferguson, inks by Wilfredo Torres, Mark Deering and Bernardo Bravo with colors by Dan Brown and letters by Travis Lanham. This is like, this has been a journey in the, into the mind of uh, a few characters. And as the final issue uh, of this run, I kind of want to, I, I, it just makes you look back as, as the kind of threads are tied up. And as we kind of finish this story in the life of David Holler, it's hard to describe what this limited series has been. And when I was thinking that I, I, was like yeah like that's what a great legion story should be it should be chaotic and trippy and weird in the best ways and that's absolutely what we find in this issue number five because it is uh you know so perfectly uh, intertwined with the story as a whole it really felt like it encapsulated the spirit of this character in a really great way. There's a lot of heart in here, which is great because amidst all of that chaos, you need something to ground you. And at the end of the day, that's what we really have because David Holler has, he's, he's, despite his wild mind, he is a real person and there's a lot of pain there and there's been a lot of difficult personal trials and tribulations and family issues and things like that. So as we kind of come down and collapse this big exploding story it's really great to see those those personal touches come in uh at the end
0: the ending was not what i was expecting right it was it was a cool bit right at the end you know what else pick of the week this one is mine my second pick of the week it is moon night number 195 look if you were if you were hankering for a book with a double page spread of five naked people in a bed that's littered with stuff like fishing rods brooms masks light bulbs and more and they're hooked up to each other's brains this is your jam man i love this book so much great cover by becky clunan the uh story is written by max bemis art by paul davidson colors by matt lopez letters by Corey Petit. i will get into the story of this on this week of marvel if you are not reading moon knight you can jump right into this issue perfectly okay. If you are reading Moon Knight, you're going to be delighted by it. It is terrific and a large part of this. Why I love this book so much is because of Paul Davidson's art. He is amazing. Go check out on Marvel Unlimited, the X Club limited series. By, uh, it was written by Cy Spurrier, current writer of Dr. Afra Star Wars book, but Paul did the art on that and it is tremendous and it's weird and I love the weird. That's what this book is all about. So dig it.
1: More good stuff on the way in Old Man Hawkeye number five, which is written by Ethan Sachs with art by Marco Coquetto, colors by Andres massa and letters by Joe Caramagna.
0: Tucker, you we could then do Old Man Dark Hawkeye.
1: Oh, whoa. You're building a franchise. Wow. There. All right, nice. Uh, it's kinda like the the like feathers are a little bit like With rusted, yeah, yeah, yeah. like a little bit rusted.
0: He's missing a couple feathers, yeah.
1: (laughs) This issue is really, really cool. We start out in the White House of all places, and there is only one person in this uh world in this point in, in time who would be there, and that is, of course, the Red Skull. He is scheming. He is planning, he's looking to take down the one of the last remaining heroes out there, and that's, of course, our old man. This issue, though, is all about um, the Venom action because... It's been bubbling. It's been boiling. That inky Venom goodness has been on its way for a few issues now. And it's finally here. Clint finally throws down with the symbiote, with the many symbiotes, I should say. And as Venom took over... Uh, Jamie Madrox. Jamie Madrox. Oh, and, it's so
0: twisted. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's a really inventive concept. And it's uh, it comes to life in this issue in a really, really great way. Okay, so we have White House with Red Skull. And then we have... Clint Barton and dot dot dot. oh man there is something great on its way in this universe and this timeline that we kind of come to uh, at the end of this story. It is so good. the issue uh, I thought was just a delight to read. It was just gnarly and and awful and awesome in uh, such great ways. And now that this other character is entering the fray, I'm
0: super
1: excited. So
0: I'm super excited, but I'm also worried.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know?
0: I mean, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, things aren't going great for most people (laughs) in this timeline. Uh, So uh, I totally agree. We'll of course have our old man Hawkeye creator commentary up this week on Marvel.com where Ethan Sachs himself talks you through the Easter eggs in the story. We're doing a recap of issue four, uh, so you can go in and check that out. Go in and check out uh Ethan's insights onto the entire run so far in the build-up to this issue, then dive straight in to issue number five.
0: One of the things that I've loved about the series as it's gone on is how much I am Like getting into Old Man Bullseye. Mm -hmm. Old Man Bullseye in here is becoming my guy. Yeah, he's like, I don't know. Like if I was, if there was a version of Tombstone with superheroes, he'd be one of those like old gunslingers uh, who's done a lot of bad stuff. Yeah, but you're kind of like with him, and you know he's gonna murder children and terror, do terrible things, but at the same time he like ends up finding a little bit of morality mm-hmm. and turning a corner. It's, it's really fascinating stuff in there. I, I love what Ethan and, and Marco. Holy crap. Marco Caceto is just. Whew. Yeah. All right. From one old man book to another old man book. we got old man Logan number 40 written by Ed Brisson art by Ibram Roberson colors by Carlos Lopez and letters by Corey Petit. This one, man, I am shark girl in this issue. She's just like wanted to go out and punch the purifiers so angry because they broke poor Glob Herman's heart. He's just this sweet big blob man. And and it's like this story has been more about the school and about Glob than it even has been about Logan. And I I love it. It's been really, really fun. The detail on Ibram's art just gets wild. Really, really wild. He's able to make Glob, a jelly man, essentially, with you know no skin on his face, looks sad, and you can see the emotion throughout. It's such a it's a talent to be able to take something that has no discernible form and give it emotion.
1: It's so well done that it he makes you forget how difficult the task it is because it just is looks a, it looks so natural.
0: That is such a great point. It looks so natural, but you know everything from like. You know, there's one big panel of superhero poses and Wolverine pops his claws. It just it looks so dope. And then you've got all this big action. You've got evil people. Uh, You've got great acting and emotion across the board. I love Ed's take on, on the school and the kids and, and what's going on there. It's, it's really, really neat. All right. This is it, guys. S.H.I.E.L.D. by Hickman and Weaver. Number five. It's here. Six years. It's been six Years since number four came out. Hopefully, you've read the series recently. We just put out a new reprint that covers the first four issues. It's written and illustrated by Jonathan Hickman and Dustin Weaver. Colors by Sonia Obak with Dustin Weaver. Letters by Todd Klein. And it's a hard book to just, like, explain. Right. (laughs) Because there's time travel. Like, I've not watched True Detective, but people say, like, what is it? Time is a flat banana or something. Yep, that's right. Yeah. They said time is a flat banana and in here it's like time is not linear. You know, one of the characters, Michelangelo is a like a being made of light and energy and he exists in all times and all places at once as as much as he wants. Eating pizza. Yeah, he he's there. You've got Nicholas Tesla, you've got the evil Sir Isaac Newton, you've got Leonardo Da Vinci, you've got so many characters and this giant this giant machine called like, I guess it's a machine called the Star Child. Plus, of course, Nostradamus, who's, you know, sort of like losing his mind, but he's also like prophetic about things. Got these characters, the last caliphate who showed up right at the end of previous story. And it's just so many things going on. And what is really neat about this is this tells you, great, there's three ways that this battle is going right now. And they're all happening at the same time. We're seeing these three versions of this giant fight between uh, the forces of, you know, Leonardo da Vinci's side versus Isaac Newton's side happen. It divides each page into three strips, a so top, middle, and bottom. And then you get to see things play out. And some of it is parallel. The Things happen in all three realities the same way. Things lead to the same results but happen in different ways. It's really fascinating storytelling. Dustin Weaver being able to keep this coherent and tell you these stories and weave them through. And then there are some pages where the pieces blend in across, you know, vertically across the page while there's still all these things going on horizontally. It's fascinating. It's a really cool, very uh, different way to tell a story. Uh, And it's big. This story is so, so big that it, it I'm okay with it, you know, not having come out for so many years and jumping back into it. I'm like, okay, here we go. What's going to happen? I would definitely say check it out. You know what? I think it's there's a lot a lot of this I think goes to animation to me. I would love to see an animated movie yeah. of
1: this story. There are a few comic book creators whose minds I think of as just terrifying labyrinths. The first one that comes to mind when I say that is Al Ewing. Because uh, that dude's head is just, just the stuff that he comes up with is so insane and just out of this world. And having jumped into this shield story now, like Hickman and Weaver, one hundred percent, I would be scared to be around them. I would, I never want to meet them. Oh, Jonathan's a sweetheart. <laughs> I'm sure, but just the power of that mind is just is frightening, frightening. Oh man, we. Had uh I, look, two out of the last three books were old men stories, and we, we got another old man old man right on his way. This time it's old man Deadpool, who's teaming up with past version of Peter Parker in Spider-Man vs. Deadpool, number thirty-three. It's written by Robbie Thompson with Art by Matt Horrick, colors by Brian Reber, letters. Josephino. This is such a like timey-wimey, weird, wild story that I love so much. We start on page one with some Noling. Are, are, do you know what Noling is? Is that like uh, the guy who directed the Batman movies?
0: He's just like hanging out on the street. <laughs> hey, I'm Noling.
1: <laughs> uh, it is uh, like, I don't know, you'll see pictures of it. It's like anytime that someone takes out all the pieces of a thing and then like lines them up like with Lego or something, you like line them up by part and like. Very, like, in a nice order. It's very satisfying to see done well. Anyway, we start that here. Well, while we're on the subject of that
0: first page, that first page made me stop and go, whoa. Matt Horak's art is
1: so detailed. You can see
0: the screws, like, the,
1: the tiny little details on that page. Yeah, I mean the thought process that going into this is really, really wild. Uh, we start in the past, then we jump to the present. Again, we have Old Man Deadpool that we were introduced to in the future, uh, Spider Man Deadpool story, and then we have like uh, Deadpool himself guesses like a early mid two thousands Spider Man that he's with. There is a host of villains, but then the time travely craziness begins and the throwdown starts it is it it feels like like robbie is really starting to dive into the the kind of present future dynamic that was set up when we made that leap to seeing peter and wade in the retirement home uh and now we're kind of uh playing with that in such a fun way old man deadpool is like wade wilson is unleashed naturally old people do not care about anything. So to put these two elements together is the best. And then as we see this issue kind of wrap into itself and kind of the present and the past and the future all kind of start to make sense, uh, as we move towards the end, there is a a wild kind of realization that goes down. This felt like a really, really different uh, issue from, uh, from Robbie and the team and for this series. And I really enjoyed it. Next up is Star Wars number 48, and this kicks off a quadrant, a quad, a quad, a quad, quadness, a quadded, up. The life aquatic. The life aquatic of Star Wars is, and they know that actually really works for Star Wars number 48 because it takes place on the, the ocean planet of Mon Cala. This book is written by Kieran Gillen with art by Salvador Larocca, colors by Guru EFX and letters by Clayton Cowles. This is the mutiny at Mon Cala, part five. This has been Han, Chewie, Leia, Luke, uh, three PO and R2 kind of on this, this trying to steal a person and save, uh, Mon Cala at the same time, trying to undermine the empire and their rule on the planet. And, they've been doing a really good job so far. They've been kind of stumbling through it. Uh, but I'll just say in this issue, they get found out and uh, they have to do their best to continue to improvise their way out of it. There is a bit in here where I love this note where three PO, we get to see three PO's kind of flare for the theater. And uh, it just works so perfectly. It's not something that I've been, that that I, I can recall being explored in that way before, but it just makes so much sense. He's kind of, He's just like this Shakespearean actor trapped in a droid body. Uh, So it makes so much sense. It's so funny. There's also like a great little, it felt like a 90s-ish Star Wars gag in here between 3PO and R2 that is just this great visual gag that I loved so much. It felt like a great throwback.
0: Was it the Uh, costumes? Yes. Oh my God. That is maybe one of my favorite Star Wars moments. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
1: It's so good. I've been been really loving uh, Kieran's take on what the Mon Calamari mean to the Star Wars universe and the kind of position they hold and the legacy that they hold and what they stand for. And we really, really see that as this story wraps up and as we see how it then kind of rockets off into the the larger war between the Rebellion and the Empire. Uh, yeah, it wraps up this arc in a really, really, really great way.
0: Yeah, I, I think what, what you're saying about Kieran, he, he's just hitting all the perfect tones and moments, you know, you got whiny Luke, sarcastic Han, honest and intense Leia, and like hitting those notes, making it feel like perfectly aligned with the characters we know from the films. It's not as easy as it seems. And doing it and keeping it fresh and fun and exciting is terrific. Also terrific is Star Wars Annual Number Four. This is written by Cullen Bunn Art by ario ananditi roland boshi mark laming colors by jordan boyd and adres Smosa. letters by vc's clayton cows now there's a note in here that the events of this annual take place before the issue star wars number eight number eight was the first full issue featuring santa staros or santa solo as she called herself then go back and read that really good story Back there, this issue has Sana in the middle of some lightsaber shenanigans. I, I love the idea that a lightsaber is more than just an object. Mm-hmm. It, it, it can hold feelings and, and energy from its users, especially what we've seen in the pages of Darth Vader and how a a Sith's lightsaber is made and what is put into that, how they pour themselves, their anger, their rage into those weapons it's oh man it's so cool the pair of lightsabers that sana has they belong to a guy named darth atrius someone who was created just for the story as far as i could tell and they're so full of uh rage that they even mess with luke and with vader and like uh vader's like it even clouds my you know my vision a little bit which i thought was was neat Uh, they basically go into berserker rage mode when they hold the lightsaber it's a neat story uh you've got smuggling and action adventure son of the middle of it pod racing now that's what i call pod racing
1: uh more star wars fast on the way in star wars dr afra number 20 this is written by cy spurrier with pencils by kev walker inks by mark deering colors by java tartaglia this is the start of a new arc. This is the Catastrophe Con, basically coming out of the most recent arc in which Dr. Afra was kind of being held and blackmailed by Triple Zero, the evilest droid in the universe. She's found herself, as she always does, kind of stuck somewhere between the good guys and the bad guys. She's in prison in this issue, uh, being held by the Empire for her, her latest exploits is it a haunted prison? I don't know. There is just some really really great action that goes down in this issue and I really really loved Kev Walker's kind of Star Wars technology. I thought there were he took inspiration from some things that we've seen in the films, some that are just uh, purely created from the mind, but they just captured that Star Wars-ness that that kind of uh, undefinable Star Wars quality in such a great way and it's Kevin Walker. I mean it's going to be it's going to be awesome. But uh, as we progress in this story there's going to be a new player who is look, she's on the cover of issue number 21, but I still won't say who it is, uh, but I'm really excited to see how Afra moves forward and how these two characters interact and kind of play off of each other. But yeah, Dr. Afra.
0: Yeah, I I do want to hit on real quick the the cool weird stuff that Sai is, is building. there The prison that she's on, it, it's this this jail that is a bunch of wrecked starships pulled along and traveling through space, held together by some sort of, you know, I don't know, space rope or something. Yeah, yeah. And that's such a weird, different way to, to tell a prison story, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I dug it. Also, the f- second issue of Star Wars... The Last Jedi Adaptation.
1: Order up, folks, because this one's coming in hot with some cheese on top. It's my pick of the week. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh,
0: so this one, I like like the first issue, the this is not a one-to-one frame from the movie to the comic page adaptation. It takes things, it moves, you know, adjusts where it needs to. Add some dialogue, changes some things, you know, remove some stuff that needs to to keep things moving. But here, we see the death of Admiral Akbar, mm-hmm. and it hit me harder in the comic than it did in the movie. And yeah. in the movie, it's so brief. Yeah, and in here, you actually see, you know, like he says a line. He says, "It's been an honor serving you all." And the way that it's drawn is just so good. You get this look at him, and then you just look at Leia, and it's just so. Intense. This is written by Gary Whitta, art by Michael Walsh, colors by Mike Spicer, letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Man, there's so much more in here. Tucker, why is this your pick of the week?
1: I just think Gary Whitta is just giving a tutorial in the best way to do an adaptation comic. He's adding so much in, in really subtle ways, but in ways that are so meaningful to... People that have just seen the movie and like the movie, people who are reading the comic because they love Star Wars comics. And to Star Wars fans, really. I mean, you can feel the heart of a Star Wars fan behind this story because it really hits on some of those notes. I mean, The Last Shadow was such an emotional watch, uh, in so many different ways. And he's just adding these little touches here and there for this story. Uh, there's one line which is my line of the week. Uh, it's after Luke is on the Falcon and R2 plays him the original message from Leia. Luke goes back to Rey. You know, he he says that R2 told him her story, that she grew up on a desert outworld, always dreaming of something greater. And then this is the line that I loved so much. He says, until one day you stumble upon a droid carrying secret data vital to the survival of the rebellion. Turns out I'd heard it once before a long time ago. I mean, come Mm -hmm. on! Are you kidding me? He's just doing little Star Wars lover backflips all across this story, and I love it so, so much. I mean, this is the perfect way to adapt uh, a movie into a comic.
0: Yeah, and we even get like the thoughts running through Leia's head when Mm -hmm. she's you know sucked into space, and she's just like, "Am I going to give up?" Hell no! You know what? What she says is is different than that. She, I don't think. She might say something like that. Anyway, she pulls herself, force pulls herself in, and it feels more substantial when you read what she's thinking. And I, I think one of my favorite moments is where they call Maz Kanata. And we see it from Maz's point of view, yeah, so love that choice. You know, it's a really cool choice. But also we learn that she has the nickname Mazzy <laughs> uh, or Mazzy, however you would pronounce it. But like. That just she's 900 years old or yeah. however old she is she's just spry and funny and quirky I love that character
1: next up is Weapon X number 18 which is written by Greg Pak with Fred Van Lente art by Yildaray Sinar, colors by Frank Der Armada and letters by Joe Caramagna there's a really really interesting dynamic going on in this issue between Sabretooth and Omega Red because they start out brawling with each other they're kind of just like flung off somewhere in Siberia they start off fighting, but they're talking. They're kind of, kind of dancing around each other in a really interesting way. Sometimes they're, you know, deeply opposed to each other, and they also have some things in common, which is really interesting. It is a really, really great little journey that we go on along these two, alongside these two characters. There's another story that is just a wild, uh, kind of. Domino and Warpath are on their own story that is kind of going on in parallel to the Sabretooth and Omega Red tale. Uh, But this issue really, for me, is all about one word. Tiger fight. (laughs) Oh, man. There is a badass as hell tiger fight that goes down in this issue. I won't say anything else about how that goes down, who it goes down with, but oh, man, it was awesome, awesome, awesome. It's so fun to see. I I thought this was such a fun it's fun exploration of that dynamic.
0: As you would imagine, I was rather
1: conflicted by that whole scene. Yes. Yes.
0: <laughs> uh, but I, I really dug Sabretooth like being like, stupid Logan, I'm a better leader than him. I'm gonna turn Omega Red around. Yeah. We're gonna be best friends and stupid Logan. Like that was kind of his thought process. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, I love it. Let's get into it, kid. All right, we've got up next X-Men Gold, number twenty-eight. This first page is I don't know, one of the most powerful emotional pages in recent X-Men history. It ties to a sequence in Astonishing X-Men number four by Joss Whedon and John Cassidy that was the return after numerous years of Colossus. And we've had the, the story, the original story, Kitty was, you know, she's in this crazy alien ship and going down all these layers and she's trying to figure out where she is and she opens a door and there's like a, a secret, you know, the secret door she wasn't supposed to open. These guards were there and they're all yelling. She turns around and Colossus is there. And in the original story, they see each other. He like doesn't fully recognize her. He looks past her. He sees all these guards. He goes charging and goes right through her, but she stays there. And she's like, the Cassidy's art on it is so good. It tells a story of like she's. She puts her hand over her heart. It's a moving, moving thing. This tells you from Peter's point of view of the way he felt. It's his thought process of being tortured for years, kept alive, and what happens when you know there's the explosion and uh, he says, maybe this is how it finally ends. Maybe now I am finally free. And then I see her and allow myself to think it is true that I am finally dead and this is heaven. And it just, it struck me as like, for him, heaven was finally seeing the woman that he loves. Like he just wanted to die and, and and see her again because every, all hope was lost. And that it's such a, an important way of like showing this connection. And that's friggin' page one. Uh, this issue is written by Mark Guggenheim art by Michelle Bandini colors by Arif Prianto flashback art for that one page is by David Marquez with Matthew Wilson letters by VCs Corey Petit, yeah, so I, I really love that. In this book we've got, you know, team of X-Men they have to go rescue Colossus from another, you know, bit of shenanigans where they're using his body. Poor Peter, he's just a gentle soul. He's got the soul of a of a painter and the body of a mm. warrior and it's just kind of doomed forever. But the the X-Men have to go find him. There's great dynamic going on between Rachel and Kitty and, you know, I, I want to see how that goes cuz Rachel's sort of acting out with rage whereas kitty is the voice of reason and they keep clashing and clashing and i think really i'm i read this book and i'm like rachel needs help somebody help her i get very involved and emotional uh, emotionally connected to x-men uh so many of us do it's the x-men going to space to save one of their own it's a tale as old as time
1: last book this week is you are deadpool number four it is written by Al Ewing. <laughs> I don't know what just
0: happened. I'm glad I didn't spit my water out everywhere. It's great.
1: He <gasps> it scares me. Uh,
0: oh, Al's just a big sweetheart. <laughs> They're all big
1: sweethearts. But this uh, this series is a testament to the power of Al Ewing's mind. It has art by Paco Diaz with colors by Guru EFX and letters by Josebino. This Issue. We get into the the little bit of a New York City underground. We get some Daredevil. We get some Punisher. Bullseye uh, also makes an appearance. And one of the great things about You Are Deadpool is how they weave in different art styles from different eras of comics uh, and really of art as a whole and weave that right into the uh the, to the game itself and it's so much fun we get a 90s Deadpool which is so awesome but yeah there are a million different ways to play this game a million different ways to read this story and uh we're moving on to the end this is the penultimate issue last issue of you are Deadpool is out next week you are Deadpool number 5 uh yeah I mean I I would recommend this game to to any comics lover it's such a different experience it's really unlike anything else and it's been so much fun
0: heck yeah uh before we get into the collections i forgot some of my favorites this week favorite cover was star wars annual number four by trad moore and matt wilson favorite lines i picked two of them from invincible iron man is roadie saying to tony did you do something weird and shave us to do it which i thought was so good (laughs) in silk in spider-man deadpool she says time travel is a butt it totally is Favorite panels, there's one in here from uh, the Hunt for Wolverine, Mystery and Madripore. Domino and Jubilee are talking. Domino says, I don't know if they're going to fight or bleep, but something's going to happen soon. And then Jubilee is just like, chow down while you can. Really funny, cute little panel.
1: Collections on sale this week include Black Panther, Long Live the King, Fantastic Four, Visionaries, John Byrne, Volume 7 and 8, Guardians of the Galaxy, Earth Shall Overcome. Guardians of the Galaxy, The Power of Starhawk. Monsters Unleashed, Volume 2, Learning Curve. Star Wars Legends, Epic Collection, The Empire, Volume 4. The Mighty Captain, Marvel, Volume 3, Dark Origins and Venom, and X Men, Poison X.
0: On the Marvel app this week, uh, a bunch of stuff. We're getting into some weird territory and I love it. More 70s like Kung Fu and just random Marvel stuff. But there's an inclusion of What If number 16 from the original run, the late 70s run. And it is What If Shang-Chi, Master of Kung Fu, fought on the side of Fu Manchu. Uh, It's just old What Ifs always bring me joy. Digital collections this week. Uh, we've also got a Wolverine by Daniel Way, the complete collection, volume four, among other things. On the freshly digitized front, we've got the end of Thor versus Hulk: Champions of the Universe, which I really loved. We've got some old issues of Werewolf by Night, an issue of Not Brand Ech, which is an old parody series. I love, love, love some Marvel team up and plenty more. Check out the full list of all the books, the digitals, the collections, the new stuff. Uh, We'll have that in our news story on marvel.com. We'll put the links in our show notes. Gosh, what else? What are we missing, Tuck? Check out the new video version. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Video version, different tactic. Mm -hmm. Talk about some other stuff. Mm -hmm. Hope you dig it. I heard from Mr. Tim Dillon on the West Coast Marvel office. He liked the video. Oh, wow. Said great job. (laughs) Thanks, Timmy. Thanks, Tim. Uh, That's about it. That's us for this week. We'll be back with more and check out some of our favorites on This Week in Marvel later on this week. I'm Ryan. And I'm Tucker. This is Marvel.
1: Your universe.